0: size isn't everything tactics in the vietnam war so welcome to this podcast in which we're going to discuss who had the best tactics in the vietnam war whether it was the Viet Cong or whether it was the usa and rather than us taking two different sides we're just going to have a discussion about it so you're going to hear my voice and you're going to hear my voice and we're actually recording with something decent this time, so you'll be able to hear what we're saying. How <laughs> So let's kick off with, um, should we kick off with the Americans?
1: Yeah, might as well, yeah. Go for the Americans first. All
0: right. So I think the key thing to remember about the Americans, their general approach to any problem is to throw money and technology at it. And that's very much the case here in Vietnam. So I suppose I would start with Operation Rolling Thunder. This wave after wave after wave of bombers which are going in, which would be destroying the infrastructure of North Vietnam and their ability to prosecute the war if it was a traditional war.
1: Yeah, and there's two things, I suppose, about Operation Rolling Thunder, which are, which cause problems for the Americans. The first one is it's the wrong tactic to take on the Viet Cong in the South. Um, but the second problem with it is that where they are bombing, especially in the North, it has the same effect that the Blitz had on the British people during the Second World War. Mm. So instead of undermining the morale and forcing them to surrender, all Operation Rolling Thunder achieved was to sort of harden their resolve and to make yeah. them feel, well, we're not going to give up. We are more determined to fight the Americans. Um, now that they're bombing our homes and our families than we were before. Yeah. So yeah, Operation Only Funder, <clears throat> loads of technology, lots and lots of firepower. But I think this it's the wrong tactic for the
0: war. Yeah. And it has the opposite effect that they actually intended in the yeah. first place. In, in a normal war where you're dealing with concentrations of troops and material and things like that, uh, a massive strategic bombing campaign is worthwhile. It, it can't help you in a guerrilla war because you simply can't target the people you need to hit. No, that's right. I, I suppose on the flip side, the <coughs> advantage it did have is that it allows the Americans to keep going at a point where they're reducing the number of ground troops. And you can't underestimate the mor- the public morale issue caused by all of these dead bodies coming back. Yeah. yeah. And,
1: and on that note as well, with the continuing bombing that the Americans do, because they don't ever really let up, it becomes more effective later on in the war. So yeah. towards the end yeah. of the war, towards the early 70s, um, where they're focusing all their efforts on bombing, it really does start
0: to pay off. But we'll, we'll come to that later yeah, when we look okay. at the end of the war. I, I suppose then if we're still talking about um, air power, we should maybe talk about Agent Orange and defoliation.
1: Yeah, chemical warfare. Um, yeah,
0: chemical warfare. Uh, the issue there, I think, for me, the reason I think it's a good idea is because if you are dealing with a guerrilla war where they are using the, the jungle as a weapon against you, then removing that from them is strategically sound. Yes. And,
1: and, you know, Agent Orange and Napalm is supremely adapted for that purpose as well. You can destroy huge areas of countryside and destroy the cover that the Viet Cong were needing. Um, The counter argument to it would be is that it was viewed, not just in Vietnam, but around the world as a very barbaric um, tactic to adopt. So in Vietnam, again, it would turn people away from the Americans. And pushed them into the hands of the Viet Cong, yeah. and in, on an international stage, the use of chemical weapons uh, it was really frowned upon. Mm. So, with the Americans using their overwhelming technology, their overwhelming firepower on what many people perceived as being quite a you know, like a I'm not gonna say primitive, that's the wrong yeah. word. But, yeah. Um, a more peaceful and a weaker country Yeah, it was viewed very very poorly
0: it, it does give that and um, Operation Rolling Thunder does give the impression of a bully a schoolyard yes, bully does, yeah. smacking a smaller child yeah. and I suppose the other thing from both both of those things is that indiscriminate yes uh, a, yeah. a bombing campaign and napalm spread around it's going to catch innocent civilians in the crossfire and I know that
1: this is something which would be maybe a better place in a different podcast, but don't forget the impact that has on the Americans and the protest movement as well. Mm. Because when yeah. the media starts coming back to America with images of, you know, children of all their clothes being burned That off, incredibly a famous Really famous image, picture. Yeah. Those kind of images turned the tide against the war back home mm. in America. So, you know, in a roundabout way, the use of these chemical weapons and the overwhelming firepower of the bombing campaigns, it feeds into people going off the war back home and ultimately to the Americans
0: pulling out. I I suppose you also need to factor in as well is the cost. Because this idea of throwing weapons and technology at it, it doesn't come cheap. And that becomes part of the the displeasure at home because this money could be better spent on social issues at home. Uh, uh something like uh, two thousand dollars a second over ten years yeah. is the cost of the war, and a huge amount of that is going on the munitions that are just dropped on people
1: yeah and you know and that was picked up as well at the time because Johnson I think it was johnson he he was um he was elected and he was in power, and he promised a great society, yeah, and the great society was supposed to be Americans spending their money on their people, yeah and you know there was lots and lots of famous political cartoons at the time of of the Great Society being dismantled yeah and you know the pieces being thrown into a war furnace to sort of stoke the
0: fires of war yeah and uh, the other thing uh, picking up on the discrimination thing it's also worth remembering that because it's a guerrilla war uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the munitions you're dropping, you're dropping on South Vietnam. You are actually dropping on the country that you are supposed to be protecting. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> from a propaganda point yeah. of view, that's, that's not ideal.
1: And that, that links into as well, um, on, into the issue of winning hearts and minds, mm, which was one of the American definitely. tactics, wasn't yeah. it? Pacification yeah. or winning hearts and minds. The idea that you would present yourself as being the better alternative yeah. to the communists. Um, and they did have some success there I mean they, they helped build infrastructure didn't they with mm-hmm. roads and schools yeah. um, but the whole idea of winning hearts and minds was only successful in the areas that they were able to control yeah. so in the major towns into areas where the, the South Vietnamese army was strong the moment you went
0: outside of those strongholds the impact of all those good works yeah. was lessened I suppose it's a it's a very good little point of comparison to start with. because um, 'cause you're still talking in Vietnam about an agrarian economy, people are farming. Yeah. And on the one hand you've got the Americans napalming and 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 hitting with defoliants, and on the other hand you've got the Viet Cong helping with the harvest. Yeah. And from from the point of view of a Vietnamese peasant, who yeah. who's who are you going to give your hearts and minds to? <clears throat> yeah. Well it's it's an obvious choice, isn't it? Yeah. And I suppose that in itself then leads towards the idea of search and destroy. Yeah. Um, which is of course uh, General Westmoreland basically says we go out we find the areas where they're strong and we lay waste to it mm. um, and that in itself has some interesting repercussions
1: yeah I mean you could say that search-and-destroyer I mean obviously they're using their technology again here because the helicopter is key mm. for search and destroy to work because it's the element of surprise yeah. um, but it's, again, it's another example of Americans' sort of heavy-handedness, mm-hmm. like the excessive bombing, like the use of chemical weapons. When they went into these villages, they were brutal to the people that lived yeah. there. They tortured the inhabitants. Waterboarding was commonplace, all of the things that we hear about in other conflicts around the world. And it has that effect of undoing all the good work of hearts yeah. and minds, whatever impact that may have had but yeah search and destroy i mean it, i think it was it was born out of necessity and desperation yeah. because they were at a loss of how to deal yeah. It, it is
0: absolutely not something you're ever going to choose to do. Because no. quite aside from anything else, you, you're sending out these very green, very inexperienced kids into the jungle, miles away from command posts, miles away from anywhere, into exactly the situation the VC wants them in. Yeah. And it's basically making them wide open to um, to traps yeah. and ambushes. And...
1: They're essentially bait, aren't they? Mm. To, to bring mm. the Viet Cong out. And you know the American troops themselves—they called them Zippo raids, didn't they? Because they yeah. knew they take their lighters with them, they set fire to the houses, and obviously that's going to have a negative effect on the Americans' ability to win over the people of yeah. Vietnam. But think about the effect it has on their soldiers as well, yeah, because they know they're being put into danger, and then they're going out and they're committing atrocities, I and mean, we can bring in the My Lai massacre in this yeah. as well—a um, search and destroy mission that goes horribly wrong, or. Maybe just how they planned. Mm, I don't know. Absolutely. It depends on what the opinion of the uh, you know, the person looking into it is. But it's another example of the Americans really their own tactics preventing them mm. from being successful in the war. The American soldiers start turning to drugs yeah. and drink and yeah. fragging, killing yeah, their own officers, yeah. refusing to go into these combat zones. And so, to an extent, you can't blame them. No, no you can't. No, I mean, they were young. What was the average age? Is it Nineteen. Nineteen. 19. Old
0: being put in a situation like that. So why do you think then, if you if you sort of look at it as a whole, hmm. where strategically is the problem with the Americans? Is it that they they don't know what they're there for? Is it that they they don't know how to achieve their aims? What what would you say hmm. is is the biggest problem? I
1: think right. Well. I mean, I think that the people in charge know why they're there, you know, it's all part of containment, isn't it? It's part of this wider policy of stopping the spread of communism. I think for your average soldier, they didn't really know why they were there. You know, they were told they were doing a good thing. I've seen some interviews of soldiers during the um, uh, the Tet Offensive, while they're under fire being yeah. interviewed, and the, the interviewer asked him, you know... Yeah, you know, what do you think of this war? Why are you here? And he and he starts off, and then he sort of stops and says, oh, I, "I don't know." And you can see that he, he's probably typical of many soldiers. So I think the American military, their their infantry, the guys on the ground, their hearts and their minds weren't in it. Yeah, they didn't want to be there. They didn't know really what they were fighting for, and that doesn't lead to an efficient fighting force. No. And I think their tactics were were wrong for the type of war that they were fighting, especially in the south. Mm. I mean, they didn't really know how to deal with guerrilla warfare properly. And so they just did what they always did, which was use their superior
0: technology. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a problem that continues through to the the modern Mm. day. How do you deal with an insurgency? How how do you do it when you are a modern mechanised army that's designed to face another modern mechanised army? Yeah. The way I always look at it, the problem here is the American military is going in and it's trying to fight the Northern Europe campaign from World War II yeah. all over again. That's exactly strategic that, yeah. bombing, yeah. The, they, they haven't moved on. They no. haven't realised they're fighting a different kind of war. No.
1: No, no, yeah, I completely agree. So what about the Viet Cong then, with their tactics?
0: I think, I think the key thing with the Viet Cong for me is that they're the ones who've actually got the initiative. They've set the table. They've decided how this war is going to be fought. Yes. Yeah. and the the Americans therefore are always playing catch up Yeah. so the, the, the Viet Cong have this very clear idea of basically they are going to make it ungovernable they're going to make it too costly and too dangerous yeah. for the Americans to stay Yeah. and because it it's, it's a fight for independence that's been going on since the French were there exactly yeah so
1: they're experienced they know how yeah. to do this they've been doing it for a very long time yeah. they've been Doing it against the French, yeah. then the Japanese, yeah. and then the French again. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Americans. Yeah. and so these you know, they are supremely experienced in yeah. the nature of, of guerrilla warfare. And don't forget, guerrilla warfare, its ultimate aim is to wear your enemy down That's right, yeah. without actually fighting that big pitched battle. Yeah. They are in it for the long run. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it takes
0: thirty years. That's and, fine. And motivation. They are yeah. fighting for their country. Like you said, the, the American ground troops, they're there going, why am I here? Mm. I, I, I am, I've come from Des Moines. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't know where I am. What's going on? As opposed to the guy squatting in the jungle who is fighting for his home. Yeah. And then when you actually when you drill down to what their actual tactics were,
1: you know, through mm. guerrilla warfare. They were so well adapted to the terrain and the nature Absolutely. of the fighting. Yeah, you know, they they used the local resources. They used their yeah. local knowledge, and they used the local people. Absolutely. They the Americans talk about the, the Viet Cong. They were hiding in plain sight. Mm. You were walking through a village, and you didn't know. That's right. Who was yeah. friend? Who was foe? Their disguise was was perfect. Yes and if you was outside of a village or outside of an urban area and you was in the jungle they were masters at camouflage they were yeah. masters of, of planting booby traps uh, the punji trap being you know the most sort yeah. of celebrated but it's so simple a pit in the floor spikes in it smeared with excrement and you can just leave it and yeah. they you know obviously they had to be trained into how to identify where the traps were and they had little signals where they'd break branches and twigs to point at various danger areas so there's an element of training there but it's exa- it's essentially
0: technology that anybody could it's use stone age technology it yeah. The, yeah and it, it doesn't break down no how does a stick no. break down and it's, it's easy to you can whack it together anywhere mm. and i suppose the other advantage of the booby traps is they are not necessarily designed to kill they are designed to maim yes. and wound yeah. because you can very easily by badly injuring one member of a patrol take out half that patrol because then they've got to take the guy back from medevac yeah. it's it's
1: it's beneficial for the viet cong to have three guys out of action mm-hmm.
0: rather than one guy dead yes absolutely it makes the americans less effective in their fighting and also uh, another thing that the booby traps do is against that idea of seizing the initiative it's emphasising this is our territory, it's making the Americans are frightened to go out into yeah. the jungle because they don't know what's going to be waiting for them. Yeah, and it,
1: again, it's, it, that's borne out in the accounts of American soldiers at the time. They would say that whilst they're there, that ground is theirs, but the moment mm-hmm. they're gone, It's the Viet Congs once more. And so whatever they gained in the junk was only temporary. Yeah,
0: Which again, leads to that idea of fighting a different sort of war. The Americans are trying to fight the traditional take the ground and hold it. That's not what the VC are interested in. The VC are interested in taking you out of action. They will fight over that same hill as often as they need to. Yeah, Because every single one of you dead is one less that they have to
1: fight. I think it's important that we point out right now as well that the reason why they adopt these tactics as well is because they know they can't beat America Absolutely. in that conventional yeah. war. So they have to adopt uh, hit-and-run ambushes. Yeah. You know, They, they operate in, in small groups, maybe 12 individuals. They wait until the Americans are in a vulnerable position and they hit them hard, they hit them fast, and then they disappear back into yeah. the jungle. But... Don't ever just think that it's just this, as we said, this Stone Age kind of technology and these and these guerrilla yeah. yeah, yeah, tactics yeah. which help them win the war, because they do adapt mm-hmm. to the Americans as well. Yeah. So, for example, with, to to deal with the bombing and the chemical yeah. weapons, and they the by, tunnels yes, systems. It, yeah. So you have these massive tunnel systems, two hundred and fifty kilometers by the yeah. end of the war. Yeah. Some of them stretching underneath American bases. Yeah. Um, dormitories, hospitals storehouses weapons dumps yeah. the whole lot underground right underneath the american's feet there's the
0: there's the very famous bit from apocalypse now yeah the i love the smell of napalm in the morning uh, and he says that they they uh, they napalm a hill and they cleared the hill entirely of jungle um, it was a fire base where they knew the vc were and they went up there the next morning mm. and there wasn't one single body yeah and yeah. the way he says it you're supposed to think from the line that they annihilated them, but he actually knows they just disappeared and were out of the yeah. way and none of them were hurt. Yeah, And it's it's that thing. They find ways to deal with the technology that's being used against mm. them. Uh, like, for example, they're worried about the airstrikes. So how do you protect yourself from airstrikes? You stick yourself so close yeah. to the enemy that they can't bomb you. Yeah, being
1: close to the belt. That's, that's right, right, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's a perfect... I mean... And the, can you imagine again the psychological impact that would have had on the Americans yeah. knowing that the VC can probably hear you talking yeah. at night and they're there yeah. and you have no idea where they are. And you call in that airstrike and you flatten an area of jungle but you haven't made any dent at all mm-hmm. into the guys that are tracking you. Yeah, um, I think there's also... One other thing that needs to be mentioned, the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Absolutely, because with the Viet Cong, I mean they they do have these tactics which are supremely suited to the style of warfare, but they wouldn't have been able to sustain it if they weren't supplied properly. Absolutely, and then this really get onto a, a much bigger scale. So yeah, the basic one is that it's coming from the north. But then beyond that, there's a supply chain to the rest of the communist world, yeah. which is all being funneled into this yeah. proxy war between yeah. the USA and the
0: USSR. Because of course you have to you have to bear in mind that international uh, dimension. Because otherwise, you find yourself asking the very simple question of why did they not just invade North Vietnam? Mm. Because that would be the, that's the yeah. easiest way to win it the is. war. Yeah. But they are well aware of the fact that if they go into there, either China mm. or the USSR. Is going to go nuclear. That's yeah. the impression.
1: Yeah, which is a nice link to a previous podcast as well with the Cold War. Cold War, war in and, Berlin. Yeah.
0: it's it's the same. Yeah, it's the same thing. The place where you find them rubbing up against each other mm. is where, where the biggest the biggest risk is. Um, which I suppose is, is worth starting maybe to talk about um, the end of the war. Yes, and yeah. Nixon's bombing of Laos and Cambodia mm. to disrupt that supply chain. Yeah. as part of the bombing campaign to have a specific effect.
1: Yeah, um, and you, you know, if you put it into the wider picture, we, we're looking at now um, a period where Nixon's promised to pull his men out. The people back home in America want the American soldiers to come home, so they start the process of Vietnamization, where they're going to hand back control of the war to the South Vietnamese. Um, but the Americans know that doing that will likely result in them losing the war. So they go back to their technology yeah. to, you know, to boost and support the South Vietnamese war effort, invading neighbouring countries. At the time, people were a bit bemused. You're you're supposed to be pulling this out. Why are you invading other countries? But yeah. it makes good strategic sense to cut off your enemies. Richard I've asked for to <laughs> I do apologise. Uh, Richard
0: Nixon has that effect on people. You're saying it does make good strategic sense to cut off the enemy's chain of supplies.
1: Yes, that's right. So you you have neighbouring countries being sort of hopefully being taken out of the picture as a supply route for the Viet Cong, but then they ramp up the bombing campaign in the north. And, and between 1970 and 1972, when they're trying to persuade the, the North Vietnamese to come to the negotiating table, they launch airstrike after airstrike and some of them yeah. are absolutely enormous um, the, the really famous one is Linebacker 2 yeah. in 1972 and it basically works mm. the North Vietnamese are eventually forced to the negotiating table yeah. so despite all of the failures and the apparent weaknesses of America's strategy and the apparent strength of the Viet Cong strategy ultimately what makes the North consider
0: ending the war is that technological advantage that the Americans have. So, in theory, Mm -hmm. the question, if it comes up, who had the best tactics, Mm -hmm. the answer is, it's complicated. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'd agree. I'd say for the, maybe, for the war on the ground in the South, the Viet Cong, the best tactics. But in terms of actually winning this war, the Americans knew what their strengths were. They knew what their strengths were. Yeah. And it did work to an extent. It's only after they withdraw that the North restarts the Mm -hmm. war because the threat
0: of the American bombs has gone. Yeah. Are you in the mood for a quick bit of what-ifery to finish off? Yes, go on then. (laughs) All right. Is there any way you can say that the Americans... What could the Americans have done to actually win Mm. beyond invading North Vietnam? Oh, gosh. Um...
1: I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I think that
0: was it in essence unwinnable.
1: I would, I think, probably. I mean, if you if you imagine that, you know, if you, if you put Great Britain in that situation, mm. even if you don't agree with communism, are you going to want to fight your own people mm. more than I don't know the French or the Germans yeah. or whoever it is who's come and invaded your land and is bombing your fellow countrymen? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure whether they could have. One. I mean, mm. they they did for a moment stop the spread of communism, but only through that technology. Mm. Maybe it
0: was inevitable. I don't know, have you got an idea? Do you think they could have won? No, I think they were done for the moment they put the boots on the ground after the Gulf of Tonkin. Yeah. Because they, there was no, they, they had no idea of what they wanted to achieve beyond this idea of containment, what yes. was what what was the wind condition? Yeah, and what would happen afterwards? What, what, yeah. yeah, it's you know, yeah. it's the same thing you see in Iraq, and mm-hmm. you know, you see it time and time again in history. They go in, big countries go in, but they don't actually have an idea of what they want to do, unless <laughs> unless they're the Romans, <laughs> they're going to go in yeah. and they're going to stay, and yeah. that's the key. I think the only way the Americans could have, could have won is if they colonised. And
1: stayed, yeah.
0: And then maybe, maybe they could have fortified, it's the Korea thing. You fortify that border. yes, yeah. And then that's, that's the only chance you've got, I think. Okay. Well, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, good luck in your exams. <laughs>